Good morning. Take your Bible with me and open up to Luke chapter 5. I'm excited to be able to continue our Summer Home Bible Fellowship series on Church Matters. And today, Church Matters, and we'll be talking together about sharing the greatest gift. Sharing the greatest gift that we have been given. The greatest gift that we have been given is the greatest gift to be shared. So as we continue that this morning, I will echo very quickly what Pastor Jared said this morning. I'm excited to be able to stand in for Pastor Matt, be praying for him. As you know, he is on sabbatical, but pray specifically for him as he gets to spend the next month with his dog. <laughs> and I will communicate to him this week how we are praying for him in the days he gets to spend with his dog. Most recently, I had an early morning to go fishing not too long ago, and as I was out fishing, we went fishing early in the morning, and as we were coming off the lake, some were just coming onto the lake to go fishing. And we had, caught, we had caught a couple that morning, nothing special, no big deal, nothing to post anywhere about, really. And as we were leaving the lake and a boat was coming off, the guy in the boat next to me said, what you're supposed to say, hey, how'd it go? He asked how we did that morning. And as any good fisherman, I was hesitant to say exactly how we did, lest we divulge that this is a good fishing lake, or lest we divulge our spot. And uh, I said, we, we got a couple, Noth nothing specific. I was a bit dodgy, as you're supposed to be, on purpose. I was Minnesota nice, but not too nice. He uh, then went to the next level, and he asked, so what'd you catch him on? And my thought in my head, oh no, you got to be kidding me. You didn't just go there, did you? We're not doing this. This is not how this works. We were doing the normal fishermen back and forth, and I answered his question rather vague. Well, you know, some... Some spinners, some crankbaits, some trolling with some live bait. Again, Minnesota nice, but not too nice. He seemed content. He played his role. I played mine. And we went on our way. And as I sat and began thinking about the greatest gift that is meant to be shared, I thought about that moment. And it got me thinking. I wonder if this is sometimes how we can be when it comes to sharing the gospel. Is it possible that we can be very thankful, like I was, for catching a few fish that day and a beautiful day and finding the spot, but a bit dodgy as to telling someone else where that spot was? Is it possible that we can be very thankful when reflecting on the gospel in our own lives? with all that God has accomplished through the gospel for me and not really evaluate 
enough for someone else. Not really value it for someone who doesn't have it. Is it possible that that we have found a hidden treasure and, and instead of sharing it, we bury it for ourselves? Or like we've found the cure, the cure for the worst disease ever, which the gospel is, right? The cure for the worst disease ever. And, and we take it for ourselves to cure ourselves, but then really not too concerned about giving it as a cure for others as well. Is it possible when it comes to the greatest gift to be shared that we have succumbed to the false notion that we just don't have the gift of evangelism? Or we have fallen prey to our fears. We've let our fears drive us away to share this greatest gift. Or maybe you think, well, the church does evangelism. As long as I invite people to a service to sit under the preaching of God's Word, I'm doing evangelism. My goal this morning is to not guilt trip you into sharing the gospel. We've all sat under those sermons. We've all felt that weight. And it's worked for a little while. And then it kind of goes away. My goal is to not guilt trip you into sharing the gospel. My goal this morning is a desire to refresh our memories of the gospel. To refresh and renew our excitement of our call to the gospel. Our practice in the gospel. And our motive for doing evangelism. To hopefully... By God's grace, renew your excitement for building a gospel relationship with an unbeliever and to renew your passion, to renew your passion for making God's glory known and to make it visible through you, not just through your actions, but specifically, intentionally, and deliberately through your words to those who don't have this great gift. This is not possible in and of ourselves. So we will, once again, take a moment and pray with me as we ask God to motivate us and refresh us and renew our excitement for this great task and calling that we have been given. Father God in heaven, you have met us with the gospel in Jesus Christ. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings because of the gospel. And we praise you and thank you for it. We are excited about the gospel and what it has done for us. God, this morning together, as we think about what matters in the church, what we actually need to be doing, What is of most importance in the church, God? You are telling us. You care and command us to share this greatest gift. So, Father, will you, through the Spirit that remains and resides with us, renew our passion for the gospel for others. Refresh our excitement to meet new people, to have new neighbors move in across the street, 
to have someone new in the cubicle next to us that we can share what is of most importance to us. Do this work in us by refreshing our view of the gospel and our call to it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when it comes to being a Christian, what do we do? What is our calling? Well, there's a long list of what we could say our calling is. This morning, I want you to be in Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses, answers the question, what do we do? What are we to be about? Here, we find that we are called to share the gospel with the lost so that they may find life in Jesus Christ. Because the greatest gift that has been given is to be the greatest gift shared to others. Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching to the people in verses 1 through 11. And he's teaching from Simon's boat. Simon and his colleagues, his fellow fishermen, had finished a night of fishing. And as you know the story, and as we'll see, they didn't catch anything. So that morning, their boats are pulled up on the beach. They're mending their nets. Jesus has a large crowd gathered. And he pushes off in the boat, and he teaches. And after he's done teaching, he tells Peter, Hey, Peter. I know I'm a carpenter, and I know you're a fisherman. And I'll be honest, I'm not the greatest fisherman, but if a carpenter tried to tell me how to fish, having not done much fishing himself, I'd probably be very Minnesota nice. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for that tip. Appreciate that. I'll give that a try. Here, a carpenter is telling a fisherman how to fish after he just spent all night performing and trying to perfect his craft and caught nothing. Which is not the message you want to give as a fisherman when coming in off the lake. How'd you do? Ah, yeah, we caught nothing. That's where Peter was at. Jesus finishes his teaching. He's standing in Peter's boat. And look at verse 10 and verse 11 here in Luke chapter 5. And here we find James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land... They left everything and followed him. Is not fear one of the very first things we face in sharing this greatest gift? Here, Jesus' first words to his disciples before he even gave them the call was do not be afraid. We can fight that fear. We can combat that fear. And we see here the call. What do we do? In the context of this narrative, Jesus says to Peter, cast your net on the other side. Throw your nets out again. I know you just spent all night doing this. 
but why don't you just throw them down again? And so they did. And verse 6 tells us that when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They stood on the front lines of watching God perform a miracle. They saw the power of God displayed in front of them. So that when Jesus looked at them and said, Now, I know what you just saw. And you know what you just saw. Now go catch men. Upon seeing the power of God on display in front of them, they had no other response. There was nothing else that came to their mind except, yeah, we'll go. We'll follow. We'll obey. You and I, my friends, don't have to look very far to see the power of Jesus on display in our own lives. We are sinful people that have been redeemed from eternal damnation. We are continuing to be sinful people with sinful actions that have been repeatedly forgiven by God as He restores our fellowship to Him. That's what this table has reminded us of this morning. We don't have to go very far to go, I know what God can do to change a life, to change a heart. I know the power of God to change me. Jeremy, you have no idea where I was at when God caught me. We don't have to go very far to see this. And our only response is to follow and to obey the call that Jesus has given to us. The exact sense of this call here is very specifically, very literally, to catch alive is what he's calling them to. Go catch men alive. From now on, Jesus says to Peter and his, his, uh, his fellow fishermen, from now on you will catch men alive. Catching men, not for death, but for life, was Peter's mission. And as much as we might wish it was, this call is not just for Peter. This call is for all believers to be fishers of men. And all throughout the scriptures, we are reminded of not just our duty. Is that one of the places we go wrong when it comes to sharing this greatest gift? So we see it as a duty. Like taking out the trash, or washing the dishes, or making your bed, or going to work. It's just another duty. But once these men saw the power of God on display, it was not duty. It was all delight, my friends. It was all delight. And throughout the scriptures, we are reminded, this is not our duty. In fact, I would actually say, if you're looking at this as duty, don't do it. Because this is delight. To share the greatest gift. A delight of obeying Christ in sharing the gospel. First of all, it's in Jesus' great commission to us. Go and make disciples. Go and evangelize. Go share the greatest gift. In Acts 8, we read this. Now those who were scattered after they were being persecuted, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. This is not just the evangelists or the apostles or the pastors of these early churches. This is everybody. Scripture calls us all to this. 
In Acts chapter 8, the very next verse, we read about Philip who went down to Samaria and he proclaimed Christ to them too. In Acts 11, we read about those who were kicked out of Jerusalem, scattered and persecuted because of the death of Stephen. And here's what the text tells us. They went about telling the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 calls the Philippian believers to hold out the word of life to unbelievers. Hold out the word of life by your actions, by your lifestyle, and by your words. Hold out the word of life. So this is not just a task given to the apostles. This is an exciting delight for all individual believers. You know, there's one thing in all the years that I've spent in a boat and all the hours I've spent fishing on a lake that I've never seen happen. I've never seen the fish jump in the boat. Now, there was that weird Asian carp thing in the Mississippi River not too long ago. That might have happened. That was weird. But in all my hours and in all my efforts, I've never just seen him jump in the boat. It has taken work. It has taken planning. It has taken preparation. I've watched YouTube to get better at this. My point is simply this. This is our call. And we must be more active than passive in sharing this greatest gift. One author I read this week said this, We know that Christ himself came to seek and to save what was lost. So how can we follow Jesus Christ without inviting people to come to Christ? Can we be his disciples and not seek the lost coin or the lost sheep or the lost son? There is a lot of witnessing in the book of Acts, he said. The lost were prayed for and they were sought after even by those who are not named as apostles or elders or evangelists. You see, God's will for your life is seen through this call to his disciples to be actively involved in this most exciting act of love. Now here's where it gets exciting. You have been loved by God through the gospel. We gather this morning to worship because we have been loved by God through the gospel. And all God is calling you to do in sharing this greatest gift, all God is calling you to do is to go love people who don't know the love that you know. That's it. Go love people with the gospel. Speak to them with the gospel. Just go love them. You see, God has entrusted to us the ministry of bringing others from death to life. I know we don't save people. God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation to help save people from eternal hell, to bring them to the God who can save them from eternal 
eternal hell. He has asked us to be a part of that. He says the love that you know. Who are you loving with that love? He has given us the simple task of going and talking about what we care about the most. Many of you know me so well. You know all the keywords and the buzzwords and the topics that will get me very excited to talk about. And we'll refrain from some of those this morning because you know them. And it's very easy when someone throws out one of my favorite things to talk about to talk and talk and talk and still talk. That's what God is calling us to do. To take this greatest gift and to talk about what is the most important and exciting thing to us, which at the end of the day for every believer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation from hell. The gift of these spiritual blessings. If you desire a right relationship with God, you will desire that for your neighbor too. Think of this in context of the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If you desire to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, do you desire that for your unbelieving neighbor as well? That's the extension of the greatest commandment. That's the application of the greatest commandment we are giving. But you're not loving your neighbor as yourself if we are not trying to persuade him to the greatest and best aspect of your own life. God's call on our lives is to love. And you know how to do that. One, because you've been loved. Two, because I watch you love each other. You know how to do this. We all know how to do this. And God has called us to love. And now he's asking us, through this call to his first disciples, he is asking us and directing us to love in a different direction, into a dark world with the light of this greatest gift. If I haven't said it before, the greatest gift given is to be the greatest gift shared. So what do we do? We're called here to evangelize. We are called here to share this greatest gift. We are called to be in evangelistic partnership with God. So I must ask you, are you holding up your side of the partnership? That's what we are to do. How do we do it, second of all? In atoning for our sins, Christ is our Savior. In seeking sinners, Jesus is our example. In the same text, now drop down to verse 27 of Luke chapter 5. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. Verse 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled 
at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, those who are well, they have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we know what we're supposed to do. How do we do it? What's the practice? We know the call. What's the practice? We evangelize like Jesus did. That's a bit cliche, isn't it? Evangelize like Jesus did. Well, how did Jesus share the gospel? We find here in this text, he gave himself to people. He gave his time to people. He gave himself and he made time for the people who needed the gospel. This is what Luke records for us in this narrative. And Jesus' encounter here with Levi, Jesus is stepping out and he is seeking the lowest of the low in Jewish society. The tax collectors, extortioners to their core. Tax collectors like Levi were considered on the same level as robbers, adulterers, prostitutes, and pagans. The text tells us that Jesus walked by and it wasn't a glance. I picture Levi doing his thing. He's doing the tax collector. Maybe there's a long line out the door. And you know that feeling? Somebody's looking at me. Like you can just feel it. That's what the text tells us is going on here. It wasn't just a quick glance at Levi that Jesus gave him a glance and and they just happened to make eye contact and Jesus said, hey, why don't you come follow me? The text tells us that Jesus saw him. And when you break that down, there's a deliberate intentional, almost stare by Jesus at Levi. He felt it. It was uncomfortable. He probably did a couple quick double takes. Why is that guy staring at me? This is weird. This is awkward. I wish he'd stop staring at me. That's how Jesus looks at him. And he gazed on Levi, and Jesus calls Levi to follow him. And he made, Levi makes a decisive break here with his old life to follow Jesus. As did Peter and the other fishermen. But the difference here is that unlike those fishermen who could go back to their old job, Levi was making a little bit of a different break in his life. He could never go back again having chosen to follow Jesus. Jesus sought out the most unacceptable candidate for discipleship. The one that no one else wanted. And so in response to this, Levi throws a feast at his house. And that's the specific focus of how we do evangelism this morning. After leaving to follow Jesus, he gathers his friends to his house for a feast. Jesus is the guest of honor. Conversion is the celebration. And his friends were invited to hear the message of the gospel. And Jesus took time to be there. Jesus made sure he was there. And so, how do we do this? We follow Christ's example. We give ourselves and we make time. Ooh, that's a tough word today, isn't it? Make time 
Where do I fit that in? That's a whole nother discussion. I'm too busy to evangelize. That's a whole nother series of sermons. Jesus made time for the people who needed the gospel, who needed him. And this is what we see. He sits down. Now he's going to face criticism for it. The religious elite of the day show up. The ones who had it all together. The ones who had all the right theology and all the knowledge. And they had cornered the market on what worship was and what holiness looked like. And in their view, Jesus had defiled himself by consorting with the Hebrew and Gentile scum of society. His eating with them indicated friendship and full acceptance in their eyes. And in response to this criticism, Jesus responds in verse 31 and 32. Jesus answered them when they asked, Why are you hanging out with sinners? Do you know what this means? Do you know what this looks like? Do you know what you're communicating? Do you know what you're telling everybody else? Jesus said, those who are well, they have no need of a doctor. But those who are sick, those are the ones that need healing. I have not come to call the righteous, and here I think we could put quotations around righteous, because I think it's a bit sarcastic that he's looking at the religious elite and saying, you're the ones who think you're righteous, but you're missing it. You're actually the ones who need the gospel. So he says, it's not the quote-unquote righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. And all throughout the gospels, we find Jesus evangelizing the gospel through relationships, through time with people, spending time with them, eating with them, loving them. Because Jesus knew that the the greatest gift that they could be given was to be shared with them through a relationship. So let me ask you, when was the last time you sat around a table with unbelievers for gospel purposes? Not a work lunch where we all go out together, but an intentional and deliberate effort to sit around and build a relationship with an unbeliever. When was the last time you had them into your home or or invited them to one of your birthday parties or your cookouts? Are your relationships with them deep enough where they have you into their home? Someone once said that it's tough to have community in the suburbs. It's tough to be a community in the suburbs. But I think they were wrong. It's not difficult to get to know your neighbors. It's just something that most of us don't value enough for sake of the gospel. The greatest gift given is to be the greatest gift shared through a relationship. Play the long game when it comes to evangelism. Earn the right to share the gospel. That they know that you care. That they know that you love them because you've spent so much time with them, because you've served them. Play the long game 
recently talked with a friend who's been playing the long game of evangelism for 20 years. That's the long, long game of evangelism. And he just saw fruit. He just saw a soul come to know Christ. If God allows it to be the short game of evangelism, then praise God. And we'll capitalize on it as he allows us. But in our day and age, I think it's the long game. It's the long game of relationship. As I said, as I asked, are you too busy to spend time with your neighbors? I challenge you that you you cannot know your neighbor. I'm sorry, you cannot love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. And I'm not just talking about the people who live next to you, although they're included too. So the call is to evangelize. The practice is through relationship like Jesus did. Giving yourself and your time to people who need the gospel. Now, lastly, why do we do it? Why? Why should you do that? Why should you carve out time in your schedule? Why should you rearrange your schedule? The motive is to make God known. To make God known a desire to see God be glorified. Matthew 5, 16, you know it well. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May it be our desire that our neighbors would speak of us like this. You know, I don't know if I believe everything they believe. I don't know that if I'm ever going to get on board with their faith. But I'll tell you what, they sure do love us. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But I cannot deny the fact that my neighbor loves me. Do they speak of us that way? Do they speak not knowing our great God, but understanding there's something behind these weird people next door who continue to love us? The motivation is to let our light of the gospel shine so that God may get the glory. You see, telling the truth about man and about sin and about God's gift of salvation in Christ is to bring praise and glory to Him regardless of what their response is or lack of response. Regardless of what the result is, our motive is to shine God's glory into the lives of other people. That's our motive. The call to evangelism is a call to turn our lives outward from focusing on ourselves and our needs to focusing on God and others made in His image. Others who are still at enmity with Him, that are still alienated from Him, that are still His enemy, subject to His wrath. Others who are in need of salvation from sin and guilt. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if you're a Christian. Or maybe you know you're not a Christian. Know this. You're not okay. And I love you enough to tell you. You're not okay. You're a sinner. And there's a penalty for that sin and it is death. But know that Jesus is God. And he died and he rose again 
to be your substitute and to take the penalty of your sins. And let me call you as Jesus called unbelievers. Is there anything keeping you from trusting Christ right now, today, right where you're at? That is the call of this great gift to your life if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ this morning. Repent of your sins and believe by faith in Jesus for the salvation of your soul. To my fellow Christians, renew your excitement of sharing the gospel. Renew your excitement by remembering God's love and power that changed you. Remember the call Share that with someone. Remember the practice that you cannot show love to your neighbor if you don't even know them well enough. And if they don't know that you love them. And remember the motive to make God known. That's what this is about. This is not about results. We leave that up to God. This is not about filling these pews. We leave that up to God. Our job is to be faithful in sharing the greatest gift that was given to us. One of my favorite authors said, we do not fail in our evangelism if we faithfully tell the gospel to someone who is not subsequently converted. That's not failure in evangelism. We fail only if we do not faithfully tell the gospel at all. Remember, don't forget that the greatest gift given is to be the greatest gift shared. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have called us and equipped us, empowered us, motivated us with the love of the gospel. You've changed us, and we praise you for it. Father, help us get out of our own way, to get out of our own head when it comes to sharing the gospel. Renew our love for the gospel. Renew our love of your power of a changed life. Renew us and refresh us with an excitement to make your glory known. Jesus Christ, our Savior, thank you for giving of yourself so that we may be saved. Holy Spirit, you alone do the work of conviction in our evangelism. Bring conviction to us when needed. Give us vision to see Gospel opportunities, relationships that can be built for the sake of the gospel. Holy Spirit, you in your ongoing ministry to us, do this work in our hearts. So that you, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit, will receive all the glory for this greatest gift we've been given. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.